Uh, This morning's reading is from Romans 8, verses 5 to 8, and then 14 to 17. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Not sure whether you heard that, but uh, it was Johnny Cash singing about someone being so heavenly minded that they are no earthly good. And uh, of course, I am sure that that is a kind of sentiment that we all agree with when it comes to our faith. That uh, uh, it must, our faith must result in action. Otherwise, we would question whether uh, it is faith at all. And I believe that in order to understand what is going on in the heavenlies, i.e. the spiritual realm, helps us to stay further engaged, helps us to make more of an impact upon the society and the world around us. And I think that is what Paul is alluding to here in Romans chapter 8. In verse 5, he wrote, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Desires. Uh, Romans 8 is famous for its focus on the Holy Spirit. The, the, the word spirit is mentioned 21 times in that chapter. Although Paul doesn't give us much insight into who the Holy Spirit is, but rather what he does or can do in the life of Christians. So uh, the talk this morning is titled Living Spiritually, living spiritually. 
And as I will go on to share with you, I don't believe that means being so heavenly minded that we are no earthly good. Living spiritually. How we define the reality will define how we live our lives. So what is the Bible teaching us about reality? About what is really going on? It is quite clear that the Bible teaches us that there are two realms that operate simultaneously in our lives. The first one is pretty obvious. It's the natural world. The physical world around us that we see, hear, taste, touch and smell. This world that we are very familiar with, the natural world. But also the Bible talks about the heavenly realms. The Greek word there is epioranios, of the heavens, of the heavens. And Paul talks quite a lot about this in his letters, particularly in Ephesians. In Ephesians 2, he says that you and I, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And then a bit later on in that letter, he writes that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We live in two realms at the same time. The natural realm includes all that can be perceived by our natural senses in the physical world. And then this thing called the heavenly realm includes all that is spiritual, invisible and not seen in the natural world although we can feel its effects, whether for good or bad. And the cast list, so to speak, of the heavenly realms is, firstly, we have God. The Bible says God is spirit. God, our creator. God, the one we worship. We have angels. They are spirit beings. They are servants of God. But also, the Bible says, they serve us, they help us in our faith. We have Satan, the devil, fallen archangel, who is evil, and servants of Satan are called demons. So what is really going on? What is really going on? In 2 Kings 6, we come across prophet Elijah. He had upset the king of Aram. And as a result, when Elisha was in a city called Dothan, king of Aram sent troops to capture him. And when Elisha and other people in the city woke up one morning, they saw these troops surrounding the city. And Elisha had a servant. And when the servant saw uh, these troops surrounding the city, uh, he said to Eli Elisha, Oh Lord, what shall we do? And Elisha answered, Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. 
And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire. The servant had only been able to see the natural realm. But God enabled him to see the heavenly realm and his perspective changed completely. The spirit world is as real, perhaps more real than our physical world. Because it's eternal. We must learn to ask the Lord to reveal to us what is really going on. We see that in the Gospels, don't we? Often when people just saw sickness and storms, Jesus acted and spoke against the finger of Satan. The spirit behind the sickness, the spirit behind the storm. So what is really going on? Is my bad mood just happening? Why are there difficulties in my marriage? Is another cold just part of life, part of the season that we are in? Why is the tension at my workplace? Why is the tension in Leicester? For sure, I am not saying I am not saying that it is only a spiritual reason for these things happening or just a spiritual solution to solving these issues. Otherwise we become like the person Johnny Cash sang about. However, as Christians, we must be discerning and alert to know what to do in response to challenges in our lives and around us. And much of that response is physical and practical in nature as well as Lord, open our eyes so that we may see what is really going on. As a family, we lived uh, for quite a long season in Clapham in South London. And once there, we, we felt that our mission patch uh, uh, was around kind of 40 surrounding streets, 40 streets around where we lived, referred to as Clapham Old Town. Anyone been to Clapham in South London? Okay, some, some of you, okay. Um, so that was our mission patch. And for a number of years, we did loads of prayer walking and intercession around those streets, several times a week. And we began to feel a strong sense of ownership of that patch, of that area. And we constantly ask the Holy Spirit to show us what's really going on. What, what is it that you are wanting to do in this place, this old town area of Clapham? What is hindering? What is the enemy doing to hinder God's plans to come about? Through speaking with local people and by reading books about the area, we learned how spiritually significant Clapham had been historically. It was known as a place for radical church movements, including William Wilberforce and Clapham Sext that some of you know about. One of the first, maybe the first non-conformist church uh, was located in Clapham. There was so much rich spiritual history. 
But we also became aware of challenges and difficulties. Huge amount of Christian disunity, broken relationships between churches. There were lots of cults and groups that uh, was not serving Jesus at all. New age groups, spiritualist churches. So we went to pray among many other local people. We prayed hard. (laughs) We prayed long prayers. And it was so exciting. Not that everything changed. We we didn't see everything that we prayed for. But we saw suddenly leaders began to meeting and uh, gathering again. And do things together. We began to see this new age shop close down. At least one of three spiritualist churches in the area closed down. And there was a lot of breakthroughs as well. God's kingdom was coming. You and I, we desperately need the gift of discernment and knowledge that Paul refers to in 1 Corinthians 12. God, what is really going on in my neighborhood? My work, my family. What is the enemy doing to bring destruction? God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to pray? Because we have a mandate from heaven to retake ground. We pray more Sundays, your kingdom come on earth. That includes Leicester, that includes Western Park, that includes Bronston, that includes Narborough Road. On earth as it is in heaven. 1 John 3 says that the reason Jesus appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And therefore I believe that we are called as Christians, as followers of Jesus, to advance God's kingdom. To conquer enemy territory. Not fearfully protect what we have got. To be courageous and not timid. Paul continues in Romans 8. He writes, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Being led by the Spirit does not primarily refer to being guided by the Spirit in decision making. But it's more about living under influence, the weight of God's Spirit constantly and daily. It's about being attentive to the Spirit's presence, expectant of the Spirit's work in and through our lives. So it's not just about Bible reading. It's not about just sensing God's presence during a church service. Being led by God's Spirit won't make us disconnected with the world around us. In fact, it should make us more engaged, more involved. It could be as simple as phoning or visiting someone who has come to mind. Or perhaps getting involved in local politics. Or perhaps eco-friendly charities. Perhaps being involved in starting a business venture. A well-known 19th century cardinal, John Henry Newman, once wrote this rhyme. I sought to hear the voice of God and climb the topmost steeple. 
But God declared, go down again, I'll dwell among the people. As Christians, we are not of the world, we are different. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. But we are and should be in the world. And here we live out and demonstrate the vision Jesus had when he stood up on that last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And he called out to his followers, the day that they may experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit in their lives. He prayed that they would experience those rivers of living water. How is that river flowing in our lives today? And it's just, I think it's fun to read about Peter in Acts 5. It's just a little, little passage, a few verses about Peter. Uh, being so full of the Holy Spirit. It talks about Peter's shadow when he went down the road. Peter's shadow, it means outshining, uh, was touching people. People were healed just as he was walking down the road. The Spirit of God within Peter extended beyond his body in such a way the people around him were just touched. Those rivers were flowing. How much is God's Spirit, Holy Spirit extended from you and from me? In what way is my life impacting others around me? And I cried, Holy Spirit, I need more of you. However, Paul goes on in Romans 8 to highlight the importance of knowing one's true identity as Christians. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. As you perhaps know, Abba, Abba, was how Jesus addressed his father. It speaks of deep intimacy. Daddy, oh Daddy. It is the spirit in us that enables the in, this intimacy, intimacy with our Father. And as we draw uh, this to a close, let me ask you these questions. What is God saying to you now? Perhaps even right now. Is he speaking to you? Perhaps wanting to affirm you as his child, as his son, as his daughter. Someone that he's so proud of. Someone that he's, he thinks is so precious, so beautiful. Just allow him to speak into your heart right now. Perhaps God is wanting to say something to you about someone else at church this morning, something that would encourage them and build their faith up. Holy Spirit, are you speaking to me about someone else? How do you want to encourage them this morning? How do you want to use me? And finally, is he saying something about 
to you about other people. Other people that you are in regular touch with. People in your neighborhood. People at your work. What is God's word to them? What is God speaking to you about? For them. We are spiritual beings and God's Holy Spirit who lives inside of us is completely committed to growing us in our relationship with Jesus. For us to daily know the cry of Abba Father internally. And the Spirit is also committed to helping us to reflect Jesus to the world around us. Pastor and author A.W. Tozer wrote that when becoming a Christian, we have switched from our little human battery to the infinite power of God. Amen.